morning. This morning's scripture before the message will be from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and I'll be reading from the NIV. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Just one quick note, I know that some have been asking if you have a special contribution check, it goes in the same box for the regular contribution, but you need to write special contribution on the check, okay? So, so just make a note of that and you can put the check in the same box that, that the regular contribution goes in. At least that's the information I received earlier this morning. So do that. Follow the leader. Jesus Christ came to this world to make disciples, to make followers. And during his three and a half year ministry on this earth, he had men and women who followed after him. People who left everything and they just went where he went and they listened to him teach and they learned from him and they walked with him and they saw him. And when you stop and think about it, that's a really effective strategy. Jesus didn't come to be the Lone Ranger. He is the only one who could save people from their sins. He's the only one who could make a sacrifice where all of us could be saved. He was unique in that respect. But when Jesus came to this world, he also wanted to teach people. He wants to teach you. He wants for you to follow him, just like those people centuries ago followed him. And the strategy, as you think about what Jesus was trying to accomplish, had to do with creating followers everywhere he went. There was this constant invitation from Jesus. If you want to follow me, come on, come follow me. And this strategy that Jesus employed as we loaded last Sunday was wonderfully practical because what it led to was not just filling people's heads with a lot of facts. This had to do with transforming people's lives. He was changing people by the way that he interacted with them. And not only was this strategy wonderfully practical, but it was incredibly simple. What do you need to do to follow Jesus? Really, all you have to do is when you wake up in the morning, look around, find where he is, and then go and whatever he does, wherever he goes, stay with him. And if he teaches a lesson, listen. And if he heals someone or does a miracle, watch and learn. And if he challenges you and says, I want you to go into the other towns and villages and preach the kingdom, then do what he says. That's all there was to it. It's a simple concept, isn't it? To follow Jesus. Just believe him and listen to him and learn from him. This concept of creating followers is also amazingly inclusive because anyone can follow. It does not matter whether you are in the fast group or the slow group at school, 
It doesn't matter where you come from background wise. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Jesus' invitation to follow him is amazingly inclusive even today. And all of us as the people of God need to think about this strategy that Jesus employed during his earthly ministry. But here's the thing that I want us to concentrate on for just a few moments this morning. How do you follow Jesus today? Because physically, he's not present among us. In fact, on the night when he was going to be crucified, he spent a lot of time talking to his disciples. And one of the things he said is found in John 16, verse 7. And when you stop and really listen to what he's saying, it almost doesn't make sense to us. He's talking to the apostles, the 12, well, the 11, because Judas has already departed. And he says, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, apostles, it is to your advantage that I go away. He had already said a number of times that he was going to depart from them. He was going to go away and they weren't going to see him anymore with their eyes. And you know, they're asking the question, we've been following you all this time, Jesus, and now you say you're going away. And what's that all about? Are you abandoning us? And no, Jesus says, I'm not abandoning you. It's to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so Jesus says, it's actually better for you if I go away because the spirit can come and he will guide you into all truth. And as you read on in John 16 and other passages, what you notice is this was always part of the plan. Jesus came for three and a half years. He created followers everywhere he went. And then the plan was that Jesus was going to ascend back to his father, which he did in Acts chapter one, verses nine through 11. That was always the plan. And the reason why that was the plan is because Jesus says in this passage, it was an advantage. It actually made things better. It actually helps people to be able to follow him. And it actually helps him in his mission to create more followers. Because specifically, his followers, if you read on in John 16, we're going to have a full knowledge of his will. While Jesus was on earth, even the apostles, they only had a little bit. They only had a part of what Jesus had to say to the world. They didn't have everything. They didn't have all the information. They just didn't understand. They weren't ready for it. They couldn't handle everything that Jesus wanted to say. But now if I go away and the helper comes to you, you're going to understand everything better. That's one reason why Jesus went away, so to speak. Another reason as you think about this is so that Jesus can be everywhere at once. In Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, he commands his apostles to go and to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. 
What Jesus has done, brothers and sisters and friends, is this. He came to this world for three and a half years and he made followers who followed him physically. They could see where he was going. They could see what he was doing and listen to what he was saying. And there was empirical evidence. Jesus is here among us. And now what he has done is he has created a system whereby you and I can follow him every day of our lives. And people in India can follow him every day of their lives. And people in China and people in Mexico and people in Brazil can follow him. Even though we don't see him with our physical eyes, followers can be developed and made and grow everywhere. Genuine followers. That was always the plan. That was always what God wanted to do through Jesus Christ. And so the question Again, how do I follow someone that I can't see? The apostles, it seems like it was easy for them, although it wasn't, by the way. Think about them fleeing from Jesus because they were afraid of being associated with him at the cross. Think about them being frustrated and think about them being afraid as they're on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't any easier for them than it is for us. But following Jesus... You think all they had to do was turn their eyes, their physical eyes, and look at where he was and just say, Lord, I want to be close to you and I want to stay with you. How do I do that? How do you do that when we can't physically see him? Three considerations this morning. I want us, first of all, to talk about relating to this question. The Bible actually says you are blessed when you follow somebody you can't see. And then secondly, I want us to think about the instructors, the apostles, those who provided the way and showed the world the way to follow Jesus, even though we can't see him physically. And then third, I want us to spend some time looking at marks, some characteristics, some traits in our lives that are present when we are following the one that we can't see. Sound good? Let's listen to God's word for just a moment, and let's think about the blessedness of following Jesus even though we can't see him. And I just want to mention some passages from Scripture. I'll put them on the screen here for you. But maybe you haven't thought about this in a long time. We we talk about being disciples, followers of Jesus, and maybe we really don't think through the practical aspects of this. But listen to what the apostles and others wrote. In John chapter 20, verse 29, John the apostle records the words of Jesus. And Jesus says... Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He was talking to Thomas. Remember Thomas saying, Lord, I'm not going to believe unless I put my, my, my fingers in the scars in his hands and unless I'm able to see the, the spear wound in his side. And Jesus presented himself, empirical evidence to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, you're blessed because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The Bible indicates we're blessed when we follow someone that we can't see. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 was read by Brother Glenn just a few moments ago. Peter, the apostle, is writing to his brethren years after the ascension of Jesus. And he says about Jesus, talking to his brethren who are suffering, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Think about that. He's saying that there are people who love Jesus, they're following Jesus, but they've never seen him with their eyes. He goes on and says, though you do not now see him, 
you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The Bible pronounces a tremendous blessing on people who follow someone they can't see, who love someone they've never laid eyes on. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. For we are always of good courage, the Apostle Paul writes. We know that while we are at home in the body, talking about being alive here, we are away from the Lord. But, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. How do you follow someone that you can't see? It can't be put any more succinctly than that. We walk by faith, not by sight. We trust what the apostles have given to us, and we obey those words, those commands. We're following Jesus. As you think about the blessedness of following Jesus, notice Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Hebrews writer says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is evidence. We are not just taking a leap in the dark as Christians, as followers of Jesus and saying, well, I hope this works. I have no reason to believe that any of this is true, but I hope it is. And then we just jump off the cliff. That's not the way the Christian life is. We have evidence that's been presented and verified and sustained, and we believe that evidence even though we've not seen Jesus ourselves. That's what faith is all about. It's about doing and acting on what we believe to be true. The Bible goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 11, speaking about Abraham and the patriarchs, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, the heavenly country that God promised. Having seen those things afar off, they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What faith does, brothers and sisters, is it says, there's evidence here that Jesus really did come and he really did die for me. And there's, there's plenty of evidence about how he lived his life and what his followers did and what it meant to follow him. And I can take that evidence and I can make decisions in my life based on this evidence. And the Bible says, I'm blessed when I follow someone and love someone and obey someone that I've never seen. Second, let's talk about the instructors. When I talk about the instructors for following Jesus, we need to spend time thinking about the role of the apostles in the early church. Jesus had those men that followed him for three and a half years that were especially close to him. And Jesus said some things to them and did some things with them that were unique in all of history. There are no apostles today because primarily the apostles were people who had firsthand experience. They had seen Jesus. They had listened to Jesus with their very ears. And this firsthand experience proved valuable to everybody else when they went into all the world to make disciples. So in Acts chapter one, verses 21 and 22, when the apostles, because Judas had gone out and hung himself, the apostles needed to add one more man to the group of 12. And one of the qualifications had to be that this individual that we're going to add as an apostle, he must have accompanied Jesus in his ministry from the first. 
He had to have been with us and had to have seen the things we've seen. That was fundamental. That was foundational to being an apostle. In Acts chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, when the Sanhedrin questioned Peter and John, they perceived that these men had been with Jesus. They understood they had seen him firsthand. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, Peter and John told the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council, they said, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. What's the point? The point is sustained that these men had seen Jesus up close and personal. They'd seen him with their very eyes. They had touched him. They had walked with him. They had seen his miracles. That was what it meant in large part to be one of the apostles. In John 20, verse 29, again to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? You've seen me resurrected. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The apostles had firsthand experience, but not only that, the apostles had unique insight. You see, Jesus selected these 12 men and what he wanted to do was use these 12 men to send his word into all the world. And so Jesus said to them, I'm gonna give you, we would say in 2020, I'm gonna download all the information you need into your heads and into your hearts And that information is your responsibility, apostles, to proclaim to a lost and dying world. You have followed me physically, and now I want you to go and make followers because I'm going to give you all the information you need. And so he says in John 15, 15, everything I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. I'm giving you all the information. John 16, 12 and 13, talking about the Holy Spirit's work. He says, I have many things still to say to you, apostles, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You know, people start talking about the Holy Spirit and it's almost like our eyes glaze over and everybody just kind of throws up their hands in despair and says, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. I don't understand that. Just listen to what Jesus is saying. One of the things the Holy Spirit did, among many others, is that he revealed to the apostles, those 12 men, everything that Jesus has to say to the world. And so what does that mean? If the apostles had unique insight, if they had this full revelation of truth, if they have all the information that Jesus wants to give the world, then guess what? The apostles, they have an important mission. Their mission is very plainly to tell the world what Jesus wants and what it means to be a follower. Go therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples. You know what a disciple is? a follower. Apostles, your mission, and he says this after his resurrection, your mission is to go into all the world and make followers. Well, how do we do that, Jesus? Baptizing them, somehow, some way, baptism and following Jesus are connected. That's not John's opinion. That's what Jesus said. Somehow, someway, there's a connection between being baptized and becoming a follower, a disciple of Jesus. That would bear some biblical investigation if I wanted to be a follower. But not only that, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus today? How do you follow somebody you can't see? It's got something to do with baptism and it's got something to do with everything Jesus has commanded. 
And the apostles had that mission given to them. Go make followers everywhere you go. Every country, every nation, every land, make followers of me. That's why the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, the first characteristic of people who were baptized, the first characteristic mentioned is that they continued steadfastly. That means they held to it in the apostles' doctrine. They listened continually to what the apostles were teaching. Why? Because the apostles had the answers. They had the information. They knew what Jesus wanted the world to hear. That's why they did that. And brothers and sisters and friends, we are on safe ground today in following Jesus when we decide that we're going to continue steadfastly in what the apostles taught. We're on safe ground when we say we're going to do and practice and believe what the apostles gave to the world because we know that that information comes from Jesus himself by means of his Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They had seen him, they had known him, and they were telling the world, he is risen. What else about the apostles as they instruct the world? Blessedly, wonderfully, the apostles wrote God's instructions in a book in order to make future disciples. So that I can follow him and know that I'm following him, the apostles wrote what Jesus gave them down in this book. A couple of passages along these lines. In Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, God has made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's a really important passage because what Paul is saying is, I've written down the information that God has given me so that you, when you read what I've written, can have the exact same knowledge. You can have the exact same understanding. What Ephesians 3, 3 and 4 tells me is that as I read the Bible, I know exactly what Jesus wants me to know, and I know everything that the apostles knew. That's what he's saying. You have the same knowledge, the same understanding, the same information that I have when you read what I've put in my writings, inspired writings. In another passage, Paul writes, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable useful for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God, the follower of Jesus, we might say, may be complete, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Brothers and sisters and friends, there is a connection between following Jesus and listening to the words of the apostles written in Scripture. Matthew wrote a book. John wrote five books. Peter wrote two books. We are doing well when we listen to their words, when we believe what inspiration has recorded for us. We follow Jesus. Third, this morning, as you think about following Jesus, what are some marks? 
I mean, what does it look like? How do I know I'm on the right track? How do I know that I'm, I'm doing the things that Jesus would have me to do? How do you follow somebody that you can't see? Get your Bible for just a moment and open with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know, one of the things about PowerPoint is that I can put verses on the screen like I've done this morning, and in a, in a quicker way, maybe we can peruse through some of the themes of God's Word, and that's, that's an advantage in some ways. But it's really good when we just open up our own Bibles, and when we read for ourselves, this is what God says to me. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. How do I know that I'm following Jesus? Can't see him. How do I know that I'm doing it? Jesus says in John 8 verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are what? What are you? You are my disciples indeed. And he goes on to say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. A question I need to ask myself when it comes to following Jesus, am I abiding in his word? You see the connection? The Bible, the scriptures, the words that have been recorded from Jesus himself for us to understand and know. These words show us how to be disciples. They show us how to follow him. There was a lady who had a family and husband and some kids and she was gonna leave town for a week. And that's kind, of a, that's kind of a harrowing idea for those of us who are dads with young kids because I mean, if mom's leaving town for a week, chaos is gonna be the order of the day. Well, this lady figured out that if she would just leave post-it notes all over the house, post-it notes on the kid's bathroom mirror, don't forget to brush your teeth, you know, important things like that. Post-it notes on the refrigerator. Monday's meals are in shelf number one. Tuesday's meals are in shelf number two. Wednesday, you're on your own. And she left post-it notes all over the house like that. And so when she left town for a week, all her family had to do was follow the post-it notes. And it was almost like, almost like she wasn't gone because they didn't starve and the kids brushed their teeth and the house was in some reasonable semblance of order when she returned home. What had they done? They had abided in the words of mom, and in so doing, her wishes were fulfilled in their lives. So it is with Jesus. He has left us the best and the most thorough information so that we can know for sure we're pleasing him. Abide in his words. Turn over in your Bible, if you would, to John 13. John 13, how do I know that I'm following someone if I can't see them? How do I know that I'm following Jesus? Watch this. I need to love in practical ways, listen to this, the body of Christ. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all know that you are my, what? My disciples, that word means followers. By this will everyone know that you are my followers if you have love for one another. He's talking about fellow Christians, fellow disciples. 
We are to love our enemies. We are to love the lost. We are to love people who do not have a relationship with God. The Bible is full of evidence to that effect. But this is a special and a unique kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. Discipleship is demonstrated when I practically, in practical, tangible ways, demonstrate that I love fellow disciples, the body of Christ. Love is, brothers and sisters, a badge of discipleship. It is proof. When I love the church, when I love the people of God, it is proof that I love Jesus Christ. How do I know I'm following him? Well, do I love my brothers and sisters? And not just in word and tongue, but in deed and truth, do I love those who belong to Christ? How is that demonstrated and displayed in my life? Third, turn over to John 15. Look at verses five through eight. As we look for evidence, how do I know that I'm following someone I can't see? John 15, verse five. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be, what? My disciples, John 15, verse 8. How do I know I'm following Jesus? He's just given me three passages. If I abide in his words... If I love those of like precious faith in practical, tangible ways, and if I bear much fruit, those are ways that I can know. Even though I can't see him, I love him, and I want to live my life for him, and I can know I'm on the right track. I can know I'm fulfilling his wishes because there's fruit in my life, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of holiness and sanctification the fruit of bringing other souls to Jesus. That's what a disciple, a follower does. Jesus came to this world to save us from our sins. And at the same time, hand in hand with that, he came to this world to make you into one of his followers. And while we do not see him with our physical eyes, by listening to and believing and trusting the words of those who did see him, we ourselves can be genuine disciples and we can go into any nation, any place, any region, among any group of people and we can show them the way. Here's how you become a follower of someone you can't see. Are you following him this morning? Have you made the decision in your life to repent of your sin and to be baptized in water for the remission of your sin. Jesus himself said, making disciples has to do with baptizing people. And the reason why we talk about baptism is because that's what Jesus said is the new birth, John 3 verse five. That's what Jesus said was the beginning point of choosing and deciding to follow him from now and for the rest of my life. Maybe you want to be baptized this morning. If that's your wish or desire, or if we can help you by praying for you and praying with you, won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing. Yeah.